Welcome to the podcast, everybody. This episode is all about cryptocurrency. I spoke with my friend Viraj, who dropped some great insights on the recent Bitcoin price crash, crypto's impact on the environment, and the current state of NFTs. He's a very smart guy, and we try to keep things very simple for beginners. So don't worry if you don't know anything about crypto. I will say though that neither of us are financial advisors and nothing we say here is supposed to be financial advice. Anyway, if you like what you hear, please subscribe to our weekly newsletter on business and tech. It's sundayspecial.substack.com. You can find the link at the bottom of the show notes. We write about topics like cryptocurrency and the stock market, but it's written for normal people and not boomers who talk in corporate speak and wonder when people are going to stop investing in crypto and start putting their money on bonds that earn a 2% annual return. Anyway, here's the conversation. Hey man, great to have you on. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, so for people who are completely new to cryptocurrency, can you explain what crypto is on a very basic level and why they should care about it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so a crypto uh, or a cryptocurrency is really a digital currency that can be used to buy goods and services, but uses an online ledger with strong cryptography to secure online transactions. So people should really care about cryptos just because of the fact that transactions are public, they're mostly unhackable, they're irreversible, um, they're controlled by the people, and users and their digital finance are more protected, just leading us toward a more decentralized financial system and global economy. And yeah, just for the listeners um, on uh, what Viraj said about it being controlled by the people, there's no company that owns Bitcoin. Uh, the miners and the people who hold Bitcoin are the ones who you would say own the network. Can you give us a quick breakdown of what I just mentioned, the most popular cryptocurrency out there, Bitcoin? Right. So for those of you that have heard about cryptocurrency, I'm sure most of you have heard about Bitcoin. And so um, for those of you that are new just to Bitcoin, Bitcoin is essentially a decentralized digital currency without a central bank that can be sent from user to user on the peer-to-peer -peer Bitcoin network without the need for any sort of intermediaries uh, or third party. And so Bitcoin's primary goal really is, to, is a store of value and as a payment system. Right. And I just want to add on there, Bitcoin is often thought of as a hedge against inflation since it has a 21 million hard cap. There's never going to be more than 21 million Bitcoin. If people are scared that the Fed is printing too much money and their savings are going to be devalued, uh, a lot of the times you'll see put uh, them putting their money into Bitcoin, which is part of the reason why the prices increased so much lately. Cryptocurrency in general has seen a huge bull run in the past year. Uh, I just mentioned inflation is one reason, but can you tell us some of the other reasons why there's been such an increase in interest in crypto lately? Yeah, you know, I think this is really broken down in a few different pieces here. Um, and so you mentioned the inflation piece. And so just starting from an inflationary perspective, as COVID spread to Europe and then the US back uh, in late February, early March, uh, just global governments started imposing all these lockdowns to stop the spread of the virus. And these lockdowns essentially suppressed economic growth. It sparked a global recession. You had central bank banks stepping in to support national economies. 
And so in the U.S. specifically, uh, what the Fed did is they immediately cut short-term interest rates to, to almost zero and, and began printing just a shitload of dollars to, to support the economy. And so this was like trillions and trillions of dollars. And, and as the economy began to heal, we had our, our Fed chair, Jerome Powell, come out and announce that that the Fed would allow inflation to run a bit higher before they would contemplate raising interest rates again. And so this kind of ties back to what you Diraj, just mentioned, um, that Bitcoin is often thought of as a hedge against inflation. And so fears that the Fed was printing too much money caused also a lot of investors right, to just put their money into Bitcoin, which just led to uh, a lot of its increase in price. Uh, something else too, you know, there are a lot of cool uh, DeFi, uh, decentralized finance and, and NFT projects that started gaining traction. Um, you know, I know DeFi we touched a little bit on and NFTs we'll, we'll touch a little bit more on later. But um, DeFi, just for those that don't know, is, is short for decentralized finance. And so that's just an umbrella term for, for financial applications and the cryptocurrency or blockchain space just geared toward disrupting and moving away from financial intermediaries like banks or brokerages or any sort of financial institutions. And so maybe a good example of this is like when you pay with a credit card uh, for coffee at a cafe, a financial institution sits between you and the business, which is control over the transaction. So with Bitcoin, these institutions are essentially cut out of the picture. And so really just this push for privacy and security as well what all is, is something else that created a lot of interest in cryptos. Definitely, definitely. So I want to shift gears a little bit and kind of talk about you and your own outlook on the space. What's your long-term outlook for cryptocurrency? Yeah, definitely. Um, so overall, you know, I'm I'm pretty bullish. You know, with the digital the digital asset market as a, as a whole is just going to continue to rally higher over time, in my opinion. You know, we're really starting to see. Uh, cryptocurrencies kind of fulfill their main mission, um, which was essentially to replace fiat paper, right? Like one of the huge main benefits of having a token infrastructure is that they're on 24 seven, 365 days a year. And this uh, can be and has been just a huge disruptor. In addition to just the fact that this hugely reduces and almost eliminates human error is another benefit too. And so, uh, like an example, uh, you know, banking errors currently can take time to address, right? Sometimes you have to wait till Monday to address anything that goes on, or even have to go in person to handle any sort of mistake or transaction that, that you want dealt with. On a separate note, too, you know, these are also just explosive investments, I think, which just makes them very attractive. Right. You, you hear about all these these Gen Z 16 year olds making millions of dollars off coins like Doge or like Link or Bitcoin or Ethereum or all these other coins. Right. And so, you know, that truly can really change a person's life. Right. I personally have been blowing up on these since like 2017 bubble. And so I'm hoping they continue going really, you know, they outperform the markets and other investment classes, too. So. Um, overall, I'm pretty bullish and excited for, for what's to come in the next couple of years. So a couple of things I want to touch on on what you just said. Uh, first off, uh, what you said about cryptocurrencies kind of fulfilling their intended purpose. We're, we're definitely seeing that. Uh, I saw this uh, news story, I want to say a month or maybe two months back about Visa 
uh, settling transactions on stable coins, which um, in case you don't know, that's a type of cryptocurrency that's pegged to the US dollar. It's great for businesses because with regular transactions, it can take a couple days to get the money. With crypto, it happens instantly. Uh, the other thing I want to say is, Jesus Christ, dude, you've been <laughs> investing in crypto since 2017. I am jealous, dude. I, I got into Bitcoin for the first time back like May 2020, so about a year now. I've seen good gains, but like probably nothing compared to you. Dude, I won't even lie. I feel like in the beginning, like a lot of it, I tried to like trade it. And it's like I, at the time in 2017, I wasn't really good at trading or investing anything like that. And so it was like, I lost a lot of money before I started seeing some returns because I was just making all these shit trades. <laughs> and again, because they're so volatile, right? If you don't place a stop loss on them and it just dumps, you're kind of fucked. Like, like these swings could happen like 50% a day. I remember like, I don't even remember what coin it was, but I invested in some coin on Binance back in like, it must have been 2017 or 2018. And literally I went to go to the bathroom for all of like 10 minutes. I come back, dude, I've already lost like 40% on the investment. <laughs> Jesus. Oh my God. And so they get, yeah, they get real volatile. They're fun though. So again, I'm, I'm like hoping to see some more explosive returns or gains for, for cryptos across the board over the next couple of years. Uh, so you mentioned stop loss for people who are just beginners and trading and investing. Can you explain what that is? Yeah, it's a way to mitigate your risk when placing an investment. You can place a stop loss on like a stock or a crypto and making a trade. So for example, say you buy a stock at $100 and you place a stop loss at 90. If the price goes below or if it hits 90 or goes below, uh, a market order is essentially or, or a limit order essentially executed to sell. Um, so again, this is something to mitigate your risk. You're not just holding on to an investment while it drops. And if you like step away from the computer, like I did for 10 minutes, you would mitigate losing up to like 40%. You could like lose way less if you just place a stop. Yeah, for those of you who don't invest in all, you'll never see that happen with stocks or I don't know, <laughs> maybe it'll happen in like a rare case, but happens in crypto pretty much all the time. Yeah, yeah. But again, that's what makes the space so exciting because you can you see these like 100% plus swings all the time. And not to say that it doesn't happen with stocks because you could see it with small and mid caps. But uh, another asset class to invest in that you like that is completely new to people um, and, and provide those returns is super fun. So yeah, so uh, speaking of volatility, uh, we've seen the crypto market kind of crash in the past couple of weeks. So two factors that are cited for the reason why this happened is Elon Musk and China. Can you explain how both of these factors have affected the market? Yeah. So again, just uh, these, you know, first off, starting with Elon, um, hiring right, someone as influential and as followed and as loved as Elon just make negative comments or, or tweets may have caused people to sell, right? Leading to the initial dump from like almost 60K down. But again, I think people also need to keep in mind, these are the people who sell are likely the same people that bought Bitcoin because of him. And then on, on the second side with China, you know, uh, Reuters had broke uh, a story on, from Reuters broke out about China banning crypto and everyone lost their shit 
because of that, because a story about governments banning Bitcoin, right, or cryptos just make people nervous, right? Because if one government does it, then surely others will too. And you saw like no one, like, like Elon came out with a tweet saying Tesla isn't selling any of their Bitcoin after some of those tweets, right? Yet people still panic sold um, just because of how much they either believed or followed and, and what he was saying at face value. Yeah, I guess one big thing for me uh, personally, I, I didn't panic sell my Bitcoin, by the way, I'm a hodler, but- um, You gotta be. <laughs> you have to be, yeah. But uh, one, one thing for me was, you know, I loaded up on some more Bitcoin after Tesla invested because I thought it was the start of something bigger, right? I thought, uh, you know, inflation fears are high. Maybe you'll see other companies doing this as well. But the fact that Tesla, you know, is now stepping back a little bit kind of hurts that narrative. Right, right. And, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how corporations follow kind of suit in the next couple months, um, especially as, you know, Bitcoin kind of hovers around this like 35,000 price point it's at. And again, I think like corporate adoption is still going to come, but it does make people a little antsy when, you know, like everyone's just saying, oh, it's going to pump, it's going to pump, it's going to pump. And then they see this huge correction at, when they invested at like 60K. <laughs> Yeah, honestly, in my uneducated opinion, I'm really not sure. I mean, inflation fears are definitely high right now, but I mean, I'm sure there's some CFOs out there who just saw that huge crash after Elon's tweets and are saying, hmm, do I really want something that's this volatile and can be affected by Elon, you know? Exactly, exactly. And all these like large corporations or large tech or whatever that can afford to truly add Bitcoin in their balance sheet, like don't want that volatility. Um, they want like sustainable growth and consistent returns. And when you start investing in known asset class, it's that volatile, like it gets, again, messy for a company, especially when they have to like report earnings and one quarter they do really well. And then the next they might not because they're inconsistent returns. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But that's also one of the value props with Bitcoin too. It's uncorrelated with the stock market. So in the event that there's a market crash, hopefully Bitcoin can uh, act as kind of a safeguard to going bankrupt. That's what's been kind of funny too, because you've just been seeing the financial markets and the crypto markets um, act more hand in hand than they had in the past, where like, again, where now you'll start to see when, when the financial markets are down, like cryptos are also down. And usually, you know, that doesn't, you know, it doesn't line up perfectly. It's not completely parallel, but you will see or at least from what I've been noticing in the past couple of months, the both like market cycles have lined up a little bit more. Maybe an example of this is like back in February, right? You had like small and mid cap stocks just like dumping for like a month and a half straight. And like cryptos did too for like a good couple of weeks after that started before they started like going off again in April. But again, you know, like you said prior, it wasn't like that. Usually when you financial markets were down, crypto markets were up and vice versa. That's a great point. I wonder if it's a sign of a higher institutional adoption of crypto, like the same hedge funds that are trading those tech stocks are also in crypto. That's an interesting point. And that might have like played some role into it too. Because again, you've just seen all these different institutions, hedge funds, and financial firms just starting to get into Bitcoin, especially over the last six months. And, you know, it's safe to say or assume 
they're not holding it, they're trading it similarly to where they would be trading on in the financial markets. Got it. Got it. So one thing I want to mention before we move on here is uh, another factor that was uh, part of the recent market corruption for crypto was that the Biden administration is pushing for crypto transfers over $10,000 to be reported to the IRS. So this kind of hurts one of the main value props of crypto that we discussed earlier, which is privacy. Right. I don't know how I didn't hear about that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just a proposal at this point. I don't know if it's going to be adopted, but something to look out for. Mm-hmm. Elon Musk, as we discussed, um, came out with these tweets and where he was raising some concerns about the environmental impact of proof of work currencies like Bitcoin. For those who may not know, uh, Bitcoin requires energy intensive mining operations to verify transactions. Do you think that these kinds of environmental concerns might stop the adoption of cryptocurrency in the future? I I don't know if it'll completely stop it. It might limit it in some ways. It's kind of yes, yes and no. You know, as as energy usage and sustainability like has become such a large topic over the past decade, you know, I, I really think it's gonna be something that continues to be a concern for a lot of people. But at the same time, right, I think. I also believe that people believe Bitcoin adoption is a future, but maybe it, it might be something else. You know, there are cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin that act as a hedge against inflation, but operate at a fraction of the energy cost and have wider applications. And so, you know, current examples of, of coins or cryptos that do this are like Cardano or eGold, which you guys can go look a little bit into later. But, you know, Bitcoin may be more of a catalyst for cryptos. Um, and for those who design cryptos to create a more energy efficient, stable and sustainable coin and whatever that coin happens to be is what I believe is will be adopted in the future. My friend had a funny way of putting it. Uh, he said that Bitcoin is kind of like a gateway drug, kind of like weed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, almost, almost. Once once you enter uh, the world of Bitcoin, it just seems like all the other crypto doors start to open and you're just it, this feeling of enlightenment. <laughs> That's one way to put it. I also want to point out that uh, ARK Invest put out this report um, a couple months back that said that Bitcoin can actually be a catalyst for renew- renewable energy. So when solar and wind companies have excess energy, they can instead choose to mine Bitcoin. Uh, it's a big problem for the renewable space because people tend to use the most energy at night but solar tends to generate the most energy during the day. So in cases like this, when you know it's the day and renewable companies have excess energy, they can just use that to mine Bitcoin, use those profits to improve their operations. Gotcha. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm not sure if energy companies are gonna take that up, but I guess that's a whole nother conversation. Right. We'll stay on this Elon track a little bit more. He's also been a vocal advocate for Dogecoin. Can you break down the Dogecoin saga for our listeners? Yeah, I think uh, uh, just a funny and common theme here is just how how fucking powerful, right? Social media can be. It's so it's so powerful that the right posts and tweets and shit at the right fucking time can move these markets and get large like amounts of people to to believe in just some utterly worthless uh, shit right and make them think it's valuable dude for example 
when when I was working in Treasury, we used to literally track and report on Trump's tweets. We used to move the fucking markets, and like this is kind of the same thing, right? And to give a little background, just on Doge, uh, Dogecoin was started as a joke in 2013 by Billy Marcus and Jackson Palmer, who just put this image of a Shiba Inu dog on the coin. And so like the crypto, everyone again realized it was like some troll coin at the beginning and it didn't really go anywhere for a couple of years and traded literally just a fraction of a cent. And, and that was for most of its existence, right? That was like even up to like eight months ago or six months ago. But again, as cryptocurrencies became more popular, Doge started attracting a really passionate following. Uh, crypto fans created just this community around this coin, right? And the price went up like 12,000% this year. Um, as Elon like started posting a bit, I think he called himself like the Doge father or some shit. And it ended up going to it's like 70 cent high and having like a market cap of 90 billion, which to put some perspective, that's like, I think like three fucking Fords. <laughs> um, so yeah, it, I, I still personally think it's going to go to a dollar just because people want it to right this is all supply and demand game at the end of the day and what's kind of scary is again this is infinite supply and this thing's still gonna fucking pump to a dollar but yeah it's crazy how like again all these shit coins have just been pumping like others you've heard are like like cum rocket or there i think there was like shiba coin and just these fucking other ones there was elon coin <laughs> so again social media is powerful Powerful, powerful, powerful. Yeah, memes move markets. Memes move markets, dude. Quote that. Put that in some... Oh, I love that, dude. I'll, I'll make that the title of this podcast. Memes move markets. I love that, dude. <laughs> uh, there's one thing I want to hit on before we move on here. It is kind of a tangent, but dude, you have to track tr- Trump tweets when you were in Treasury. Uh, that was yeah. a hard sentence to say, but dude, can you, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Literally, so, okay, we have, we would use Bloomberg terminals because, again, it just catalogs financial information really well. And uh, we wanted all that real-time data. And so every, I think it was like twice a week, once a week or twice a week, we would go through all these economic indicators of like different, what's going on in different countries. So like we look at like GDP, retail sales, housing starts, whatever like economic data is coming out that day. And like the, we, every single day, there was a whole section, like a little, there's a little window for, and this was literally integrated into Bloomberg already. This isn't something like we track separately that said like Trump tweets. And literally because like he would just fucking break wind and shift the markets, dude. Yeah, we just need to be ready for that, right? Especially, you know, we had people like making trades um, every single morning. Um, and all our different investment portfolios. And so because of how influential his tweets were and like just the shit that fucking came out of his mouth was we like, again, just for, for Microsoft to mitigate its risk or their risk, they had to to follow it pretty, not like it's severely closely, but, but still it's something we track every day. Wow. That's crazy. I'm, I'm sure crypto <laughs> traders have to do the same thing with Elon tweets. Uh, you know, I, I would be surprised if they didn't, because, again, with the amount of influence that he has and how, like, again, how quick 
I think the Bitcoin and crypto community responds to his tweets. Having those alerts on is probably in their best interest. Absolutely. So one more question on Dogecoin. Dogecoin is probably the number one thing you point to if you just hate the idea of crypto and you just think it's all idiots just speculating on worthless shit. I see people like this on Reddit all the time who act like every crypto is just Dogecoin. You know, they're all like equally ridiculous. Uh, what do you have to say to these people? Well, honestly, first of all, fuck them. They're stupid. Uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, kind of. Honestly, one day, whether you like it or not, you, you're just going to have to accept the fact that these cryptos are they're here to stay. Overall, people are, are scared of what they don't know. They're scared of change. And I think that just makes it harder for them to accept something that is just so new and something that they don't understand, like cryptocurrencies, blockchain. And I think like a lot of people see it as an investment opportunity, but don't see like any of its further applications. And, you know, just even to, to talk about some statistics, like currently only 1.3% of the world owns Bitcoin or cryptocurrency. But if two years ago, it was like a 10th of that, right? Uh, the changes of the adoption is already happening. You know, you can resist as much as you want, but it's not going to stop. And, and even using the clues and signs around you in your everyday life, right? You're hearing it every single day, whether it's through the news, whether it's through your friends, whether it's watching TV, um, you see governments and institutions worth trillions of dollars and have a fuckload of power adopting it, right? I think all these signs just pretty much, you know, show that it's safe to say that it's not going any away anytime soon. Again, do we know what the future uh, is going to look like? What coin, if there's going to be like a single coin we adopt, what it's going to be? No. But again, I honestly am pretty sure, or I feel pretty sure that they're not going to go away anytime soon. So if you're not invested in it and you don't believe in it, at least just make money off of it. You know, you don't have to believe in it, but everyone likes making money. So maybe try that. You might believe in a little bit more. Yeah. Have fun staying poor is what I <laughs> have fun staying poor. <laughs> so um, you, you mentioned some of the different applications of uh, crypto. I know that you're pretty bullish on the future of NFTs. I am too. In case you're listening and you don't know what NFTs are, they're usually things you could find on the internet very easily, like images, MP3s, or GIFs. But people are paying thousands, sometimes millions of dollars for these because they're verified through the blockchain so that people can see that you own the authentic copy. Uh, I think they've been t catching a lot of heat on Twitter. Most mm -hmm. people kind of see them as a stupid joke for nerds on the internet, kind of like Dogecoin. Uh, can you talk about what we saw from NFTs in the cycle and what we might see from them in the future? Yeah. So just, again, at a very high level, um, something to add to is just NFT stands for non-fungible token. And most NFTs are part of the Ethereum blockchain. And Ethereum is a cryptocurrency, again, like Bitcoin, or dogecoin but it's blockchain also supports these nfts which store extra information that makes them work differently from other coins um i you know i don't know too much about it but it's worth also noting that blockchain other blockchains can implement their own version of nfts too and some uh, i think already have 
And so just kind of, as you mentioned, Diraj, right? NFTs can, can be anything digital, such as drawings, music, GIFs, et cetera. But a lot of the current excitement is around using the tech to sell digital art. And so in this cycle, really, for example, we saw an NFT on Beeple sell for like $69 million, which <clears throat> drew just a fuckload of traction to the space. Cause people were like, who the fuck is going to spend $69 million on some digital art, right? And so through this, we saw a lot of hype as not only uh, the, the NFT cryptos were going off, but NFT stocks is too, like teching, um, the ticker TKT or, or Hall of Fame Resort and company just started taking off and creating more excitement in the space. You know, in terms of the future, I see, like Percy, I see this, what we saw in this last cycle to be similar to what Bitcoin was in 2017. Just the world is is excited about the space, but they're not really ready for it, um, right? Similar to, to Bitcoin's, Bitcoin's rise and fall back or fall to 20K in 2017, NFTs just aren't at a point yet where they're useful or I think integrated within everyday technology for people to see like the long-term value in it. However, you know, I, I truly believe it's integration into music, gaming, art, you know, commerce, uh, et cetera, over the next couple of years is going to start bringing more and more traction in the space. Just to, like a, like a quick side note, like I have a friend who, Back in like April, when like NFTs were starting to go off, he bought a Kings of Leon. So I don't know if you're familiar with the band Kings of Leon, but I think that they were the first band to to come out with an NFT. And like he purchased their NFT and embedded with it was an audio clip of music that was unreleased to the public or on Spotify or on Apple Music or anything like that. And so just going back to this whole idea of ownership they now have essentially ownership of of kings of leon's music and again i don't know if people are, are raven or interested in kings of leon even <laughs> but it'll be interesting to see how when just more and more artists like come out with nfts like for example like if a, if a drake if drake came out with like an nft and he had a verse in there like that wasn't on any of his other tracks, dude, I, like people would lose their shit. They would spend millions and millions of dollars for that. Um, so again, I, you know, this is just from, from a personal perspective, but I'm excited for what's to come and where the space can take us. I do want to touch on what you just said about uh, the infrastructure for NFTs not being quite there yet. I read mm -hmm. the article the other, uh, this other day where it talked about how in the future creators can sell NFTs that give the buyer the right to future cash flows, right? A musician can sell an NFT that gives the holder the right to royalties from the song on Spotify. Right. Uh, of course, we need to figure out how this will work from like a legal standpoint, like how are these contracts gonna be enforced? But hey, the, the space is still early. Someone's gonna figure out a solution. Right. I think it's a super interesting use case. Right, just this past six months, dude, you've so many, cryptocurrency companies at least in the u.s have started as a result to this bull run that started six months ago and this engagement in cryptocurrencies and nfts and DeFi. you know i i even have like i had a coworker at work who literally quit to start his own cryptocurrencies company 
And so just seeing all these startups come about as a result of this too, I think just makes it even more exciting, right? It shows that people are, are trying to address the current problems in the cryptocurrency space uh, and improve and build upon them, which again, hopefully is going to uh, keep cryptocurrencies and, and NFTs uh, just relevant, but also, you know, just expand upon them too. Right. It's something that we talked about in the last article that we put out, which is just that Bitcoin's price is often a leading indicator for cool stuff in the crypto space. Basically, mm. what that means is, like we said earlier, Bitcoin is kind of a gateway drug. Uh, when the price starts going up, people start getting interested. They kind of fall down the crypto rabbit hole. And some of them you know, start quitting their jobs and try making their own crypto companies. You know, we saw this big increase in 2017. There was a lot of companies that came out of that, but it took them two or three years for those projects to really gain some traction. Basically, a lot of the things that you're seeing now are really because of that 2017 bubble. Right, right. Yeah, so interesting to see what we'll see in the future. A lot going on, man, a lot going on. Only time will tell now. Yeah, so final question for you. I hear a lot of my friends say, hey, you know, I want to get into crypto, but the price of Bitcoin is so high. I feel like it's too late. What would you say to that? Um, you know, it it's never too late for anything, really. You know, I'd say at the very least, if you don't want to get into crypto or scared to, you know, maybe a good first step is just try to educate yourself more on some of its actual use case applications or the direction or problems that cryptos are trying to solve for. Um, it may not always work out, but sometimes you just got to risk it to get the biscuit. You know, it's it's as what the famous Wayne Gretzky uh, and infamous Michael Scott once said, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. <laughs> well said. Well, thanks so much for being with us. Really enjoyed your insights. I had a great time too. Thanks so much again for having me on here. All right, that's the conversation. Thanks so much for listening, and happy Sunday, y'all.